everybody. Welcome to Quirky, Creepy, and Freaky, a podcast where I tell you about wonky animal facts. I'm your host, Olivia, and each episode I will share with you a different weird fact from the animal kingdom. So in fun news, the podcast has a Facebook page now. Hooray! The Facebook page is just Quirky, Creepy, and Freaky. You should definitely find it there and give it a like and share it with your friends. Help more people find the podcast. And I'm also doing a thing on Instagram where throughout October leading up to our Halloween special episode, I want to feature all of your black cats and all of your tuxedo kitties and cow kitties. So send me your all of your black cats and then throughout October I will share them on the Instagram page. So you can see Instagram or Facebook for more information on that, but pretty much just send me your cats and a little bit of information about them and they'll be on Instagram. It's so much fun. And now getting into this week, uh, we have our third shark episode in our little mini shark series we've been having. So a couple of episodes ago, we had basking sharks, and now um, last episode, we had the poor beagle. So this week, we're going to have a shark that's known for being super fast and speedy and, well, for being blue. So we have the blue shark, scientific name uh, Prionus glauca. The blue sharks are in the family Carcharinidae, which labels them as requiem sharks, and I couldn't find any information on why they called them requiem sharks, but that's the family they're in. And that's what we call the family, so we just go with it, I suppose. So blue sharks average about 10 feet or a little over 3 meters, but they, I did see one source that said they can get up to 12 feet, so they're, especially compared to the basking sharks, they're not the very big sharks. But they are still a pretty good sized fish. They can be found in temperate and tropical waters around the world. Uh, I think really the only waters they're not in are the Antarctic and Arctic Oceans. So they are a global shark species and they do have a nice little water temperature. They like to travel around and stay in. So their temperature tolerances is really between like 12 degrees Celsius and 20 degrees Celsius or about 50 to 70 degrees Fahrenheit. So with that, they are migratory, so they will travel to stay within that water temperature. Like other ocean animals, they are countershaded. So the countershading helps to provide camouflage and they're usually um, animals are a darker color on their back and then a lighter color on their belly. So when you look down, they blend into the shadowy ocean depths, and when you're looking up, they blend into the bright, sunshiny water. But with blue sharks, instead of being gray or black on top, they're actually a pretty bright blue, sometimes described as an indigo blue on top, and then like everything else, they're lighter colored white on the bottom. One thing that is unfortunate with the blue color is that it has made them a target for shark finning industry because what a nice pretty blue color to have in your shark fin soup. For blue sharks, uh, what they eat in many areas, they often eat squid, and that is a preference in many areas, but they do also eat bony fish and bottom fish, so like your flatfish like flounder and cod and things like that. Well, I guess cod's not really a flatfish, but your bottom fish. 
and they have also occasionally been observed eating seed birds, like shearwaters. Now, what they eat in a particular area does depend on food availability. I found one study that was looking at the blue shark diet around um, Atlantic Canada, so around uh, Nova Scotia, Gulf of Maine kind of area, and in, or in their study, they didn't find very many blue sharks that had eaten squid. What they did find is that the majority of what was in the sharks' uh, stomachs was the bony fish and the bottom fish. So if there are squid in the area, they'll eat the squid. If there's fish in the area, they'll eat the squid. It's really just like anything else. What you're going to eat is going to depend on food availability. Now, one thing that is really quite snazzy with the blue sharks is that they are apparently very well-researched sharks, and they are a very common shark. So I was just going to talk about their speediness, uh, because they are known for being a bit of a zippier shark, but several other fun facts popped up about the blue shark while I was doing my research. So we're going to talk about a couple of additional fun facts as well. And one thing that was super helpful, especially for talking about the their migration patterns was the book Sharks of the Open Ocean. And this was also really helpful with my information for the poor beagle last week as well. So shout out to them. So as I mentioned a couple times, they are very migratory sharks and their movement patterns tend to relate to their reproductive cycles and their prey distributions. In the Atlantic and Pacific populations, they are actually often making uh, trips across the ocean. So in some transatlantic movements, they are sharks that travel from the west coast, or there was a shark that was tagged that traveled from the west coast of Europe down to northwest Africa and then all the way across the Atlantic. When the blue shark was finally caught again and the tag was retrieved, it was caught about 3,200 kilometers from where it was originally tagged. In a trans-Pacific motion, or trans-Pacific movement, one tagged shark was, uh, or several tagged sharks have been recorded moving up to 9,200 kilometers from where they were originally tagged. So unlike some of the other sharks, like the poor beagles from last week and the basking sharks, these blue sharks are actually making some pretty far migrations, and they're moving pretty regularly. If we are just looking at the transatlantic population migrations, uh, so the western Atlantic, so this would be your um, American coast end of the Atlantic. So this population mostly consists of juveniles, subadult females, and adult males. So around late summer to early fall and winter, around in there, the sharks are going to start traveling south to the Caribbean or South America. However, the juveniles and subadult females have also been seen to ride the currents over to the East Atlantic over to Europe around this time. And then once we come back to spring, the sharks that move south, um, they're going to move more inshore again and start traveling up north along the Gulf Stream up to around New England and Nova Scotia, with the female sharks arriving between late May and early June. Now, there is some occasional movement between North and South Atlantic. Some of the Western Atlantic sharks have been seen moving down as far south as South America, but the 
populations still don't really mix, at least genetically, and this is because of opposite reproductive seasons. So the southern Atlantic blue sharks tend to do most of their breeding around December, so that would be summertime in the southern hemisphere, and the north Atlantic blue sharks tend to breed more in the summer, we think. Some of their exact uh, breeding habits we don't know entirely, and I think some of that is because they move so much, but because they do have these opposite breeding cycles, the North Atlantic and South Atlantic populations don't really, they don't mix. For the second fun fact, especially for sharks, blue sharks have very large litter sizes. So on average, the blue shark tends to have on average 30 pups per litter. And if we go back to the poor beagle from last week, or even like white sharks, uh, they tend to have somewhere around four sharks or four pups in a litter, and that would be a big litter size for a poor beagle. So these blue sharks really just have a whole lot of babies, and they tend to have a nine to 12 month gestation period, which for sharks is actually pretty speedy. They can also have more litter sizes. Some other sources I found said that they averaged like 30 to 80, and some others had more of like a 25 to 50 range. But there are some records saying that uh, some blue sharks have had as many as 135 pups in one litter, and I, they're not very big sharks, so those are going to be some pretty tiny babies. But, uh, that's a lot. <laughs> so one thing that is a bit of a bonus with having such high litter sizes is that despite some really high bycatch rates and being considered near threatened, they have not yet been pushed to endangered. And these really large litter sizes and relatively short gestation periods are going to help with this. And this is also going to be what has made the blue shark to be one of the most common sharks around the world. Number of litter sizes and migration patterns aside, for the planned fun fact of the day. Now, blue sharks are one of the fastest sharks out there and are known especially by sport fishermen for their speediness. So while they aren't the number one fastest shark, they are easily in the top five and could be as high as the number three or number four fastest shark in the world. And some of that depends on how reliable some of the shark speed records are because there aren't really, for some of the shark species, there aren't some super official, super reliable speed records out there. Some of it is just how well sharks have been able to follow a boat. And that's not really, I mean, that does give you a good estimate and a good idea of how, of how fast the sharks can go. But um, sharks are also not frequently just like chasing down boats. So that's not the most reliable way to test for shark speed. But anyway, uh, with the reliable data that we have, we do know that they are really fast sharks. And the ReefQuest Center for Shark Research has their swimming speed not only for sharks, but for a lot of other marine animals as well. And they have a, um, a whole site on their webpage talking about what the fastest marine animal out there is. And spoiler alert, it's it's not sharks and it's actually also not whales. Um, it's the sailfin fishes. So back to the blue shark. 
So most sharks, their cruising speed is in the range of one and a half to five miles per hour. And if you remember all the way back to the basking shark episode, they tend to swim about two miles per hour. So for a frame of reference, the fastest Olympic swimmers, they will swim about five miles per hour. So some things that really help speed up the blue shark is their nice sleek and slim body. They really have a very thin torpedo shape that's going to help with efficient swimming and makes them very hydrodynamic. So their drag is highly reduced within the water. And they also have a large tail that helps with give them more power as they swim. They have a larger upper lobe than lower lobe on their tail. So that's going to help them propel themselves through the water. Now for how fast the blue shark can go, in bursts it has been recorded up to 24 miles per hour or in metric 39.4 kilometers per hour. So they can go as fast as a car. Now the fastest sharks are actually several of the lamnidae sharks. And this would make sense if you remember from last week, the lamnidae sharks are all considered to be warm-blooded sharks. So their ability to maintain their body heat helps them to have faster swimming speeds and helps them stay more reactive. Because if you are a cold-blooded thing, the cold water tends to slow down your muscles. So being able to maintain their body temperature helps them to stay or helps them to have faster speeds. So thinking of that, the fastest shark is the shortfin mako shark, and this one is a lamnidae shark. There are reliable observations of the shortfin mako as fast as 31 miles per hour, with one unreliable report having them as fast as 46 miles per hour, and even driving a car, like that's, that's uh, going reasonably fast. For great white sharks, there are actually no super reliable measurements of a great white shark going max burst speed. So the general agreement amongst the marine biologists that study shark speeds is that they burst at about, um, or their speed is maxed out at about 25 miles per hour, but they do have the potential of bursts of speeds up to 35 miles per hour. So that would put the white shark at the number two spot, but maybe one day once we have some more reliable speed measurements that could actually bump them up faster than the Mako. The potential number three spot could go to the salmon shark. There was one reported observation of them bursting up to 50 miles per hour, um, and that was an observation by some by a Navy ship but I also couldn't find any other, any other more official records of the salmon shark speed. So uh, we're gonna, I don't know, that one might be a little bit dubious. So with that, we're gonna, we're, I'm gonna put the salmon shark in the number three spot. Still very speedy, but we're gonna put that on hold until we have a more reliable, more official observation. With the blue shark clocking in at 24 miles per hour, that would put them at either the number four or the number three spot for the fastest shark in the world. And that's going to depend really on that salmon shark reporting and more research on shark speeds. Because apparently uh, nobody's putting up a whole lot of 
like uh, radar clocks to sharks and he should do more of that. So one thing that is also notable is that a lot of these sharks, especially like the shortfin mako, the white sharks, they have been observed to have, they have been recorded having uh, sailfish in their stomachs, so um, also swordfish as well. So these are some really fast fish, as I actually can't remember if I said earlier, these fish can swim as fast as 60 miles per hour. So we don't know just from the fact that the fish have been in these shark stomachs if these if the sharks were able to outswim the fish or outmaneuver the fish because if they were able to just outmaneuver them then that's more just um, like hunting them down they're not necessarily chasing down the fish but if they were able to outswim these fish then that could put these sharks having bursts potentially faster than the than the sailfish. So I think that's one that is definitely a needs more research sort of situation, but that would be interesting to see what happens if we are ever able to observe a shark hunting a sailfin so we can see what happens there. So wrapping this up, I feel like I ended the last couple of shark episodes on a bit of a bummer note talking about shark conservation and shark populations not doing so well. So I'm going to try not to do that as bad this time, but this is probably still not the happiest note. So one thing that is kind of a good thing is that blue sharks aren't the target of many major commercial fisheries, but they are sometimes targeted in shark finning operations as I said earlier. So if you aren't aware of what happens with shark finning, the sharks are caught and brought into the boat and then their fins are removed at sea, and then the rest of the shark is tossed back, usually still alive. So that's no good. In the United States and several other countries, the practice of finning at sea has been banned for quite some time now, and the trade of fins is now illegal in 14 states and 3 territories. But one thing that I did learn in looking at this is that just because finning at sea is illegal, Um, fishing for the sharks is still considered fine. You just have to bring the whole shark back to dock and then remove the fins. So one thing that is also a bit of good news here is that over the years, awareness of of shark finning has increased and there's been a lot of pressure for finning to become illegal and for shark fin replacements and shark fin soup or for places to just stop serving shark fin soup altogether. Uh, Shark finning is illegal in several countries, and demand for shark fins in some areas like China and Hong Kong has actually declined over the last decade, and some high-profile celebrities have even kind of shunned the the idea of shark fin soup, which is really, that's a really good trend. So with these efforts, things are hopefully going to be looking up not only for the blue shark, but for many of our sharky friends. And hopefully with these animals that have been around, uh, I think literally before trees, uh, hopefully humans will not be the death of them. Thank you for listening to today's episode. And I think that ended on a little bit of a higher note than last time. Uh, But be sure to come on back to the next episode. I think we're going to have a nice uh, episode on camouflage again coming up soon. Please rate and review the podcast on iTunes, and you can also find us on Spotify, Podbean, Amazon Music, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. 
There are a few options to help support this podcast, and the first one is definitely to share us with everybody you know that can use some more shark facts in their life, and we all know that's everybody. Everybody likes sharks. And for the cost of a super fun little shark, dog, or cat toy, you could become a patron on Patreon at patreon.com slash quirkycreepyfreakypod and join us there if you want to see some marine biology related adventures. I'm actually going to get started on that this weekend. I know I've been promising that for a while, but it's been crazy. Um, you can also find the podcast on Instagram, so give that a follow at Quirky Creepy Freaky Pod, and give us a like on Facebook as well. If you have a favorite quirky, creepy, or freaky animal fun fact, send it on in at quirkycreepyfreakypod at gmail.com, and it may just make it into an episode. So, audio editing and recording was done by me, Olivia Streit. Intro music was created by Kaylee Streit. Thank you for listening.